you cannot have a process without people. And you cannot have a product without people. So everything has to be in this process to get it right in the end. Welcome to Innovation Talks. Join us weekly as we discuss with distinguished industry guests how to refine and improve corporate innovation and new product development. Hosted by Paul Heller, Sophion Chief Evangelist. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I hope you're all doing well and, and had a good week and, and things are going fine for you. My guest today is Ulrika Laubner Kelleher. And Ulrika is very active in product management, serving as an advisor, coach, helping companies be more successful, written a couple books. She's got such a great background and she's agreed to come on and join with us and talk about product management and some of the challenges and how you get around those challenges. Ulrika, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Thank you, Paul, for having me here on your show. Yeah. And where are you based out of Ulrika? Yeah, now I'm in Hamburg, New York, which is a little bit south from Buffalo that was in the news quite um, heavily over the last month. <laughs> sure was. Sure was. Incredible amounts of snow. Absolutely right. Is that finished now? Let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Well, Ulrika, how did you get into product management? Let's start there. Um, I actually, one of the many product managers who jumped into product management more or less by accident. You know, though 20 years ago, you, there was no, nobody knew what product management is, right? You couldn't. There was no label. Right? No, no, no. And then, you know, I have several degrees and I wanted to change in my job and say, what can I do to put all the different degrees together? And somebody said, hey, why do you think about product management? So, well, what is that? Oh, that's cool. You can actually be a little bit like a CEO of a product, influence the company and be innovative. I said, wow, that sounds great. And you can make more money. <laughs> Wonderful. I just did it. So I became a product manager, high tech sewing machines. And I thought, hey, I can rock the world and you know, change whatever I want to. Yeah. And then <laughs> I can, right? <laughs> In the reality, I became, you know, working 10, 12, 14 hours, try to figure it out and was more or less what some students call the garbage can or the <laughs> <laughs> check of all trades, doing a little bit of everything. So you probably learned quite a bit in there about what product manage managers do what challenges they have. Why don't you just share some of your perspective on some of the challenges that product managers face? Yeah, it's actually, Paul, it's quite interesting. So I, when I get, I got into product management was 20 years ago. So two decades and, you know, the clients that I teach today face the same issues. Isn't that something? Right. Yeah. It's, um, it's definitely getting better with all the educations you can have in colleges. But typically, the challenge that I had, and there are still today, is that product managers are not trained where to start, what to end. So what are their roles and tasks they have to do? They either throw in the job like me and try to figure it out. Some of them have wonderful mentors and showing him along the way if they have done it before, right? But then they do so much tasks, operational tasks. You know, they are in meeting. They have to do business presentation. They have to do competition. They have to do product lifecycle management. All that, they don't know where to focus. And that usually leads to the fact that they are 
so much trapped in their operational task that they cannot find the time to be outside in the market, mm. research or competition, yeah. talk to customers, find the trends, right? So actually, when I usually do research, I find that 5 to 10% of their time product manual spent only in the market. And there comes the big challenge. So how can you prove to make the coolest concept ever for product if you don't have market data? If you don't know what customers think or what your competition is doing, how can you differentiate it? And then if you don't have this data, there are a lot of discussions. All the people who are there longer in your industry, longer. They know better. Right? <laughs> so the salespeople who know it better for years have done a great job. They all say, oh, we know the customers. What are you saying? Oh. And uh, so this is one of the big challenges is the getting the data that really helps you to make the right product decisions quickly. And not, you know, going back and forth, back and forth and delaying just the business plan creation for six, nine or even years. Yeah. Could so relate to your quote, especially from sales. Oh, we know what the customers need, right? That's the bane of every product manager. Yeah, right. And you know, it's, what's true is the sales know it for their customers. Yes. For their single customer. But, you know, product managers need to align it for a big mass market to make it profitable for the company. Yeah, very good point. Very good point. So you've created an approach a method that you put together. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, that's what I call the red string method. And, um, you know, like if you see there's the red string that combines and connects everything, sometimes they have it in the crime stories. But my background is a tailor. Mm -hmm. And uh, a tailor, if you put uh, things together, you need a thread. And I use the red thread to put it together, see if it's fitting. So the red string method actually connects the product to the, the people, to process, to product, to get the profit. So you cannot have only the right people if you don't have the right process or creating the, you know, or know what the product should be. You cannot have a process without people. And you cannot have a product without people. So everything has to be in this process to get it right in the end. And I have a methodology that really shows from interviewing the customer and get the data to all our documents that we need, to all our cross-sections. Because we are not all, we are working as product managers. We're working, of course, with our decision makers. Oh, we are working with R&D, marketing, product, purchase department, legal department, and, and, and designers, UX designers. And they all need the right and the same information. And this flow makes it happen that they all are on the same page. That's fascinating. It just follow the red string, basically. To your point of, I'm a new product manager. What do I do? There's no training. I'm dumped into the role, right? This helps me now with what I need to do, right? Yeah, they get a get really a guidance where to start, what to end, what do they have to consider, and more important, what do they have to deliver to make the other people work efficiently as well. So, what are some of the things that are on that string? It's definitely, uh, you start with customer interviews or let's say market research. We have it from different, you know, resources. It's not only the interviews, it's from internal resources, customer feedback, social media, all the interactions there where we can find customers and then doing this strategic analysis. But if we do the research right, we get a lot of automatic 
features. And then if, you know, if you create the business plan, you can also create the other documents that are needed by designers, by developers, right? And have the same basic of information. There is no gap in between. And then also marketing and sales. So typical example is when a lot of my customers say, well, product is ready. Let's market it. Can you do it right now? <laughs> so they forget that marketing is a lot of work. It's not done in four weeks. Right. And then they wonder why they cannot have it, you know, already in April. Why can you not launch it in June? So what we also do is setting up as soon as we got the, you know, the sign off for the business and investment, also make the teams ready for development and marketing. So you have already your USPs, your requirements, and that helps them to be much quicker. Yeah, and I think I think you're right. I mean, it, when you think about who owns or who's responsible for coordination, you could you could point to a lot of people, this person, that person, but at the end of the day, the product manager is the person who has who really is impacted the most if the coordination's not there, right? So by de facto, they own it. Don't they? I love that you say that, Paul. It's very interesting. They don't feel like that. Yeah. And sometimes they are not treated like that. That's the yes. change with new companies and software companies where they see product management very, very highly valuable. But um, I mean, actually, a panel recently with some CEO business executive of manufacturing companies to find out what is the attitude to product teams. And they told me that they do not value, appreciate their work as much as they do it from engineers. Hmm. Why not? They cannot see what they are doing. You see, the you know, engineers, they produce marketing producers, sales producers, but the product managers is there in a meeting presents, but they don't see what's going on. So the understanding, even in the company on a high level, is not really there. So if they don't understand it, how can they support you, right? So actually, one of my tasks in the new book is to talk about the power that product managers should have, right? And to raise the awareness what they can really do good things for a company. Yeah. Let's talk about your books. You have two out and one on the way, right? Yes. So take us through the, the books. <laughs> and especially the one you're writing, which will be a lot of fun. Yeah. So the first two books were guidebooks and very easy to read uh, for beginner advances. You have a problem, you go through the content page. This is my problem. Get one or two pages of really proven things that I've done myself and with a lot of customers. And the new one is called Impact, <laughs> where I would like to make a change with companies who have product managers, actually raising the awareness of how important product managers are to the company, the customers, the colleagues, and also for our um, environment. There are a lot of things they can do when we empower them to do that. And I tell them from different perspectives how they can really make the changes happen. And it's not always about you know tools and software. Of course, I love software and we know that can make it very efficient. But I had a client who said, Ulrike, and we were talking about software. And he said, Ulrike, a tool with a fool is still a fool. 
gosh. Got to think about that for a minute. <laughs> right? And actually, I have to agree. If you don't understand why you're doing and how you're doing, the software will not do it Won't for help you. you. That's right. You need a little brain talk. So impact is really on uh, showing companies how they can the re use the resources they have in all the different departments to save millions, speed up their process, and make more profit with that. That's fantastic. Who 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 are you aiming to, from a reader standpoint? Who do you want to to read to pick up that book? It should be business executives, there you go, CEOs, leaders, also start you know entrepreneurs, startups who are in their growing phase, who have a bigger team and go from this chaotic to a little bit systematic, and also. Product managers who want to go make their next step and go be leaders and said, "Hey, what is important in this role? <laughs> yeah. What do I have to do?" Right. That, that's great. So you're kind of covering all the aspects to it. You've got the how-to or the cookbooks, I guess you could say. You know, the book about how to communicate. You've got the the red thread, and now you've got this positioning of the importance of of good product managers management to a success of a of a company is that a fair way to sum that up wonderful <laughs> <laughs> i asked you for the pre-word <laughs> <laughs> be happy to <laughs> writing is a skill yeah so you know if, if you if you step back from an individual product manager some of the challenges that that person has and move it up to more of a broad industry challenge right you mentioned that with that ceo discussion, how few can appreciate or articulate the value of product management. So when you look across the industry, you know, what are those challenges that you're seeing? So one thing is the innovation speed. So what the business leaders need is to have constantly a flow of innovation. And what they struggle with is that they don't get it in the time they need it. They say there are so much discussions, we never get our products on the market on time. And this means, you know, usually manufacturing companies, they, the products cost millions. If they lose one month, three months, six months, nine months, that's a lot of money. There's a lot of money that's missing in the bank account. Right? So this is one thing. It is the innovation speed. and it is not getting easier, right? So development and finding the strategy with our globalization, with our you know, supply chain issues that we had, inflation we had right now to come up with innovation, product changes, smart you know, follow-up products is not easy. It is a complex product. So that's why they need systems to help them. So innovation speed. And the second thing is the employees themselves. There are a lot of product managers who leave their job because you can now. Everyone is looking for employees like crazy. So they can swap their jobs mm. pretty easily. Of course, they have the challenges in the new job. However, losing a product manager who is highly skilled, has been in the industry for a while, leaves a huge gap, right? So you cannot get your current product, your innovation onto the market on time. You might get it on time, but not in right quality, right? Or, you know, product lifecycle manager. Wow. Well, yeah, we have a lot of products, but well, let's not talk about it and lose profit over there. So yeah. that is 
really tremendous issue that they face. And now with less and less people coming from the colleges, three or four work days, there are less peep work stuff available. So the second issue that I see is having and retaining product managers in your company. And product managers leaving usually not for the money. They leave because they have no growth opportunity, like I. <laughs> and what I did, right, is, has also not changed. The growth opportunity. And a lot of people have burnouts, work too much, and they would like to have a better work-life balance and hope they get that. And some say, you know, the team culture doesn't fit to me anymore. So this is a lot of things that leaders can improve when they're talking about, hey, how can I sustain my product managers over time? Yeah, I've experienced it. I think many, many of us have where a new person comes in, a new product manager comes in. I mean, it takes them a long time just to understand the product, the business, why we're here. And, and, but they don't, they're expected to be performing immediately, right? And that's a really tough, that's a tough gap. That's a tough gap to cross. And it also hurts the company because you've got, you do have a loss for a period of time. So hanging on to those people is a lot better than, uh, than having to go through bringing somebody new in. Yeah. And actually, Paul, that's a good point because I always try to find partners who can do what I did in the past. So I went to companies as an interim product manager. Right, you have CEOs, interims, and C- CMOs, but wow. product manager not. And this is exactly what you said because you need to perform right away. Usually, they give me two weeks, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and then I find myself making sales presentations, business plans, and so ever. So, but this I can only do this because I know where to start, what to end, what is the most important part, right? Talk to customers, talk to your clients, colleagues, and get as much information as you can. And so that led me, actually, I was working, you know, today in a finance industry, tomorrow retail, household goods, and then in construction business. My students said, how can you do that? Yeah, because I do what I teach you, right? Because it is a very challenging job. It's a fun job, but it can be challenging if you, you know, nobody tells you how to do that. Where where would you, what would be your perspective on the importance of of having kind of key information captured for the next product manager to come in? So if somebody comes in, at least there's something they can read, organize, something, review, something to help them understand what the previous product manager was working on. You see organizations where somebody leaves and all the knowledge is gone, right? <laughs> That's a good point. One good thing is about the technology, it is getting better and better. So people start and write their own product wikis and how-to things in, you know, the different software they are using and you having product description. So that's what I always would start with. Read the product information as much as, you know, the re- much as reason that is in there to understand what is the product line concept, right? Then the second is, Networking is always important. Right? You, a product manager need to talk to the CEO, to the CFO, to all the executives, as well as to all the colleagues. Right? And usually 10, 12 departments 
our best friends. That's why networking is important. So instead of reading everything that was written in the last 10 years, go to your college, go for lunch, for dinner, for a beer, and make meetings and try to find out what they know, what's working well and what hasn't worked well, right? And try to improve it then together. So that's the second part. And then another one is definitely try to set up as early as possible interviews with customers either to verify what's on your pile of paper, what you have to do and present, or to find a new innovation, right? So that is always market knowledge is always the key success for product managers. Always, right? <laughs> always, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't have systems, I always a fan about to create the systems, the tools, or, you know, get the software that can help you to get the job done faster. Sure. And that, that it's nice to hear because that's, that's the company that I work for is trying to provide that software tools and, and information to help the next help product management capture what they know and help the next one come in. But, you know, I'm thinking through your, your, your points there, even if I'm an existing product manager and I want to, I should stop and reset and think about those points and think, you know, do I, do I have the right relationships? Things have changed, right? A new head of manufacturing has come in or a new head of sales, right? But I, have I gone out and I have to continually redo that investment in forming those relationships and keeping those relationships going. So yeah, it's good advice for somebody who's already been in a company doing product management, isn't it? Yeah, Paul, and you know what? I didn't do that in my first beginnings. I'm a typical engineer. Even if I'm a tailor or clothing engineer, I'm an engineer, right? Focused data, science, not about communication. (laughs) So for me, it was (laughs) I'm sitting at my desk and do my work. However, I had to learn very quickly in my first job that collaboration with my colleagues is the success you know, for my future. So it is very important to try to be friend with everybody. It doesn't work all the time, sure not. But uh, to <laughs> to talk to everyone, people get on the same, you know, same navigation route and uh, work with the same tools. So networking is a constant effort we have to do. Yeah. And it's something we forget about. <laughs> Good advice. Yeah, because, you know, they cannot follow us. Product managers don't have any official responsibility. They can only follow us when they trust us, when they believe and trust us. So we have to show them somehow. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Now, you know, there's. I'm curious to hear your perspective and feel free to disagree with me on this. But there's a lot of emphasis right now on software product managers, right? But there's a whole other class of other product managers, right? Product managers who are are dealing with physical products, right? That have a different set of uh, things to worry about, supply chains, manufacturing, distribution, right? I would love to hear your perspective on, on those two types of product managers, how they're similar, how they might be different. If they are different, maybe it's the same. Share your thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. I have both types as clients. I have software companies and I have manufacturing companies. And usually, you know, manufacturing companies can hardly come around software. So I usually combine. Yeah. So 
The two things that are similar today is the, the clarification of the roles and tasks when they have to do what, right? And how they communicate to each other. That at the end, they have a product launch with a product that makes customers and company happy. So this structural organizational thing is still a topic. What I see in software companies that a lot of them are reaching out to their customers on a much earlier state. It's probably a younger industry, what I think. So when they software, a main software that we have now, this flood of software coming up, they knew already about the customer-centric design. So they started to talk to their customers a little bit earlier than they did at manufacturing companies. And manufacturing companies who you know exist for 100 years, 150 or 50 years, they were born in the time when there were less competition. So they could invent products you know, without a lot of competition. They can sell it out the market and, you know, it was sold like, uh, like ice cream. But this doesn't work anymore. And so they have to learn, and that's what I see, the transition is really talk to your product to your customers first before you invest all the money. Many have learned it. Some are in the process. Some are very hard learning it because they lose a lot of millions. But it's good to see that they want to change it. So the um, difference, another difference is that our manufacturing company is much more complex. I know software. <laughs> software yeah, right. <laughs> don't always agree. <laughs> But usually, what I said, if you're not just one single easy, let's say, product, if you have a technical product, and these are usually companies that I have, the technical companies where it's really time and cost intensive, then you have software. You have even one, two, three, four softwares, right, that are in this uh, product or IoT, right, where everything is connected. So you have your physical product. You have the history of the old product. You have accessories to this product. You have packaging. You have service. You have all the parts, the maintenance, and the software. And you have to think about the future. So, and all this makes it much more complicated than, I say, only software. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that you're working at both because the books you read, the things you research, they're, they're, they're not covering the physical product challenges. You know, the jobs are the same. As a product manager, what you have to do, you have to do. But, but the scope of what you do or the way you do it is so different. And I'm, I'm really, that's why I was so fascinating to hear you contrast those two. That was really helpful. You know, what we learned from software when I was a young PM is what Iterations, you know, Agile didn't exist at that time, but iterative project product management, right? Take a step back, test it, review it, make amendments before you send it out to a market. So, you know, industry can learn from each other. Where do you think there's more maturity right now in, or needs to, this double question, the maturity of product management is where does it stand today and where does it need to go? And is it different between, let's say, the software products and the, the physical products? In terms of maturity, it is the software industry. Because mm -hmm. working with 
modern systems, a better methodology approach than the manufacturing companies. And actually, this I've seen that in another report from Product Management Festival that is uh, based in Switzerland, and they made also a research on maturity. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense to me. That matches that matches what what I've been been seeing as well. This has been a great discussion. I kind of want to ask you a couple of the questions because I know a little bit about your your some of the other things you do. Tell us about product to market systems and what you're doing there. This is of course part of the red string method, right? So how to do that in a professional manner. So what I deliver then is, for instance, if you create your marketing, go-to-market team, right? So what kind of information do they need? It is not only marketing. It is not only sales. For a physical product, you have legal, you have warehousing, you have purchase department, right? And even for software, you have a lot of marketing efforts, online marketing, you know, license models or whatever. So it is a project in itself. And sometimes I feel project management and product management is like everyone can do it. I'm doing a project. I'm a project manager, but doing it, <laughs> doing it in the right way is still the challenge. What I see, there's a lot to learn. So product to market system is one part of it. Doing this market launch planning and execution, execute execution is good as possible so that you know the sales and all the people customer support technicals were that they are ready when the product is out there and you're really talking about coordination removing misalignment probably some of it is getting rid of silos that's all kind of mixed in there isn't it yeah so a second question for you Ulrika. we've been doing a lot on sustainability and and it's been important topics, both in our podcasts, in our webinars, in our customers. And and I'd love to hear your your thoughts about green product management. Yeah, thank you. That's actually one topic that is in my heart. <laughs> so Good. I'm absolutely um a lover of or let's say a nature lover, right? I like to spend my time outside gardening, you know, farm to table. I make my own farm to table and hiking, swimming, all those things. So nature is important for my well-being. I think, you know, a lot of people have seen that in the pandemic for themselves too. And but what I also see, and not only since yesterday, is a lot of waste. Yeah, I see in, in, you know, in my front garden, there's a lot of plastic, coffee cups, beer cans, a lot of trash is laying around. And I've seen also you're next to hotels, piles and mountains of water bottles. I've seen since 90, I don't know, the first time it was 1995 where it was in a country where I had only two hours a day warm water. Yeah. Even in Switzerland or your Germany, you had places where, you know, in the summertime, there was not always a reduce your water. So there is an issue. And I always try to improve that. When I was a product manager, I always improved the product you know, materials, amount that is used, or if there is a lot of parts that are thrown away because they are not good, could be the end product, could be a little bit in along the way to reduce that. 
because everything goes where? Somewhere in the landfill, thrown away in our soil and you know, for our future kids. So when I teach, I try to you know, inspire <laughs> product manager to think a little bit outside of the box because the product they create today is a garbage form tomorrow. So if we do that, the products that they are either long-lasting or with materials that are more healthy for the products when they are used or when they are recycled, this can be done. And I'm really happy to see that there are a lot of big companies like, like Unilever, Nike, Siemens, but also small uh, startups really go on that bandwagon, try to be more ecological, try to replace packaging with smarter packaging, even no packaging. It's so cool. You, know, you can go in some of the places where we have their big grains, uh, you know, the storage of grain and you just pick it. You don't have to have small packages plastic bags. So sustainability is very important. And another thing is, and it's actually very funny, I thought my generation is very ecological. Paul, you and me, right? We are yeah. the same, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> same age, right? Yeah. And there was a study and that showed that generally our generation is not as right. Funny. Not so yeah, a little disappointing. Right. Yeah. It is a little bit disappointing. Yeah. But the good thing is Generation 20 plus, 20 to 30, they are very conscious. And yeah. They seek to buy products that are more ecologically friendly and sustainable. Well, I guess they want to work on the nature that they have in the future, right? Right, right. They're more aware of it. And as a product manager, you know, a lot of times we think of, of product design, product engineering, but product management has a role there as well. And, and as more companies focus on sustainability. I, I got a, a fun story. I, I had a, I bought a camera for my, my garage inside the other day and, and it came in a box and I opened the box and the internal packaging was paper, not plastic. And all I could do was say, thank goodness. It is possible to mold and form a rigid paper structure like you do with injection molding and plastic that can safely hold this camera in this box for shipping to me, I was, I was very pleased. It was really fun to see. Yeah. But I always make pictures from that and show it to my students, mm. the smart things that other people have already done. And I really would like to see, you know, company, you know, company owners, executive, and, you know, put it in their company strategy. Like we want to eliminate 30% and we, you know, do this sustainable on the ecological, you know, safe for our nature in the strategy and then follow up, challenge your product manager, your business development, your engineer to think about, you know, how can we do it differently? And the good news is companies are, and, and sometimes it's driven internally, but a lot of time it's driven by consumer demand. You know, consumers, as you said, the younger generation that's focusing on, I'm going to buy this because it's better than buying this other one, which is, is not very environmentally friendly. So it is happening. And Absolutely. that's the good news. Yeah. Well, Ulrika, this was a fun conversation. I sure appreciate you taking time to drop in. If Let's talk about how people find you and find more information. I know there's redstringmethods.com, correct? That's absolutely correct. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They could link to your books in there. I, I know there's a place in there to buy the books. How else can they kind of 
contact you, follow you, keep an eye on what you're doing? Yeah, so actually a really good member of LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. It's easy to reach out to me and, and you know make a connection. And I'm also a speaker, usually, as you mentioned before, a PDMA or events and product camps. Um, I like to share my information. That's easy to, to find me all over there. Yeah, product camps are amazing. We're involved in them now as well. We're fairly newcomers to the product camps. I don't know how long they've been they've been going, but they are a tremendous resource for people just to just to network with other other product managers. It's it's really fun to see the discussions that happen in, in these little grassroots startups of product camps. Yeah, I love them. I started mm, the first product camps in Switzerland, two thousand. 14 or 15, and I helped my colleagues in, you know, in Germany to do that. And it was always very, very beneficial for, for everyone. And just, you know, the first minutes when they see they are not alone with their problems that always have. To yes, <laughs> right. Call it group therapy, call it what you will. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, nice. <laughs> okay, okay. Hey, any last minute things you'd want to, that, that I, we should have covered? You're going to hang up and say, oh, I should have talked about this. Anything on your mind that we might have missed? Yeah, sure. There are two things that I'm actually looking right now into. And, yeah. you know, we, you are a software person, you know, artif- artificial intelligence. Oh, yeah. Very mm-hmm. important. And so I'm actually looking into two things, you know, chat, chat GPT, right sounding is in, you know, everywhere. And I would like to see the real benefits for product managers on their, you know, strategic working. So that's what I'm actually researching right now. And then we found already some cool stuff that you can do, right? So first of all, you asked me, what should a new product manager do? If you don't have a glimpse about the industry or the products, you can ask them questions and get really substantial yeah. First answers. And I say first answers, not the deep thoughts, right? Yeah. And the more niche it is, the more difficult it has. The difficulty it has. And the second thing I'm doing right now is a fundraising campaign to help companies, you know, innovate quickly and make more profit. That you know, it is my company is a model and I would like to have and look for more collaborators to help me, you know, create an incentive to reach more people to profit from this red string methods. Wow. So if anybody's interested or listeners are interested in either of those topics, they should reach out to you straight away. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) That sounds fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Well, it's been a lot of, been a great conversation. Really, again, appreciate you sharing all of your perspective with us. That was, that was a lot of fun. And uh, I would love to connect back with you as your research goes forward, especially especially on the AI side. That could be a great conversation uh, to to just see what you're finding and learning, and and just you know talk about that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely happy to do that. And it was so much fun. I had a really uh, a blast talking to you with you and sharing all my different um, <laughs> yeah all my different experiences. That's uh, <laughs> cannot give usually such a broad you know, catch up on many, many different yeah, topics. So we, thank you. We covered a lot of ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Great. All right. Okay. You have a great week ahead. You too. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. Do reach out to Ulrika. Follow her on LinkedIn. 
Check out the, the redstringmethods.com website. Fun stuff. And as you heard, a lot of fun stuff coming. So we're all going to be looking for her, her next book. I think it's going to be a good one. Take care. Have a great week. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week for Innovation Talks with Paul Heller. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For additional information on today's topic, check out sophion.com, S-O-P-H-E-O-N.com, where you will find plenty of innovation-centric content and corporate best practices. If you'd like to discuss anything with Paul or would like to get in touch with the show, email us at talks at sophion.com.